0: And welcome to the podcast show called What Do I Say? My name is Ryan, and I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope Church, and I'm joined also by Pastor Tom. Hi, everybody. And uh, we want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen, uh, to briefly share what this is all about. This podcast exists to, to really apply the timeless truths of Scripture to the topics that we face today. And uh, each episode, we take on a topic that is relevant and one that maybe you have questions about and as always, we want to invite you to interact with us about today's topic, uh, or any other for that matter. You can email myself at ryan at or tom at newhopeadel.org. We, we just would love to, to hear from you. So today's topic is a challenging one. It's challenging for a number of reasons. Um, we're going to be talking about what does the Bible say about divorce, even Jesus, when he was going about his ministry, this is in Mark chapter 10, he was pressed on this very question. Uh, it says there in verse 2 that the Pharisees came up and in order to test Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? It highlights it as a question that people had 2,000 years ago. It's a question that people have today. It's a, it's a question that is um, challenging on many fronts. So the goal of our podcast here for the next handful of minutes is hopefully to equip you on what the Bible says about this question, and and hopefully as well, whether you have been divorced or you're in a struggling marriage today, or maybe you know someone that's in these places, that you have some encouragement and some tools to pass on to someone else. So why don't we start by just with this question, the nature of the question, start with some so maybe some obvious statements. Um, in the this, here's the first one. For example, that that marriage is sacred. It's sacred to God, and it should be held in high honor by God's people. You know, the Lord designed marriage. He's the one that invented it. He he designed it, and he designed it to be a sacred covenant commitment between one man and one woman for one lifetime. And you get to passages like Malachi two. Malachi 2 is an interesting passage because it demonstrates in this scene where through the prophet Malachi, God is is speaking to the Israelites, but he's calling out the men. He's calling out the husbands specifically and that they were being unfaithful to their wives, the wives of their youth, as it says in verse 14. And the passage demonstrates God's heart for marriage in this a counter judgment he gives to the people, where he says in verse sixteen, he says, "I hate divorce. I hate divorce." In other words, the Lord wants His people to honor marriage and to to work at it, including when things get hard. In other words, for God's design of marriage, it doesn't have an exit door. So it's sacred; it should be held in high honor by God's people. But we also should recognize that marriage and Divorce, when that happens, these are emotionally charged events. There's lots of deep feelings involved. If you've been through a situation like that, I don't have to tell you, you know that to be true. We also know that divorce impacts more than just the people involved. There's family members that are connected, uh, possibly children that are involved, and it has a deep effect on friends and even, even a local church, people that love those involved and want to support them and help them. Unfortunately, I think everyone knows someone who's experienced divorce. And again, maybe you're walking with uh, someone, a person through this difficult season, or maybe you've been involved with coaching uh, or encouraging a couple to hang in there. Uh, You've tried to help people find needed support and resources. Yeah,
1: I think, you know, just kind of thinking a little bit more about Malachi and the context of that passage, Ryan, we know that the book of Malachi is to encourage God's people to pursue holiness in all realms, in terms of handling finances, in terms of leadership, and so, you know, the Lord He addresses problems that are going on that are real, that all of us need to think about and reflect on, and this relational problem that was going on in Malachi, uh, he has said it head on, and I appreciate, really do appreciate that he talks about the men, and oftentimes I know that this is not always true, but oftentimes there are issues for us as men that we really need to deal with in
0: regard to loving our wives. Absolutely. So when you get to the Bible, do you have any situations where the Bible provides um, a grounds for a divorce? And w- when we look at, though we just talked about how how from the beginning God's design is that people would not separate that who God has brought together in this covenant commitment of marriage would see that all the way through their entire lifetime. But because of the hardness of hearts of people, and we see that in the time of Moses and Jesus talked about it and others, we do see in Scripture two scenarios where there's uh, grounds for the possibility of divorce. And we're not advocating that this would be for the pursuit of divorce, but the possibility. And they're worth talking about. The first one is issues around abandonment. Now, when we see this in Scripture, where we see this in Scripture most clearly is in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 15. And I'll read it here in a moment, but to give context to it, what this is, what this is about is when an unbelieving spouse leaves or abandons the believing spouse, believer being in Jesus. So you have a believer and unbeliever that are married And the unbelieving spouse abandons the believing spouse. Here's what Paul writes He says, If the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. Now, what I've observed today is that abandonment is often stretched to include. Other situations that are very difficult, they include deep levels of neglect, which is a form of abandonment from one spouse to the other. But it raises the question, what qualifies as abandonment? That could be a little bit of a sliding scale or a little bit subjective. Uh, Does emotional abandonment meet the criteria? Uh, What if one spouse checks out of a marriage Well, can the other spouse then seek a divorce and be justified in that? How about uh, financial abandonment? So you have lots of different types of abandonment that a person can uh, experience. I remember years ago, I was pastoring at a church in Colorado, and a man asked to, to meet with me, and what he wanted to know is if he was justified to divorce his wife due to sexual neglect. So... Does that qualify to what we see here in this passage? It raises lots of questions. So what do we do with this? Well, abandonment does happen. I mean, it's incredibly painful to experience uh, for a husband or wife or both. And in these situations, I think we need to be careful not to stretch, uh, stretch scripture to say something it doesn't, but also very careful to seek the needed support that a couple in that situation would need.
1: So Ryan, so somebody comes to you and they say, well, I'm really unhappy. God doesn't want me to be
0: unhappy, does he? How do you respond to that? Yeah, I would love to ask that question back to you. But here's what I would say, because I think for both of us with the experience we've had, is that, and this is so important in marriage, that God's purpose for marriage is not happiness. Now, we can certainly experience happiness in marriage, but that's not the purpose of marriage. It's really about holiness. It's really about God's glory. It's really that your marriage is this portrait to a watching world of who God is and the covenant commitment type of relationship we can have with Jesus. And so happiness is not the focus. It's really so much deeper than that. Yeah, great answer. Uh, there's a book called Sacred Marriage,
1: and that book especially, uh, I would encourage you to read through it because it helps to understand the purpose of marriage it is not necessarily happiness. Although happiness is a part of what can happen in marriage, there are greater purposes beyond happiness.
0: So again, if, you, if you're if you listening to this or you know someone and abandonment is is something that you are feeling right now, don't disregard that. That's very important, but don't Mm -hmm. use that as my encouragement as a sort of a, a tool or a runway to, to pursue divorce, but rather to say, this is something that needs to be addressed.
1: Yeah, we understand and we accept you and love you, whatever you're going through. We just want to be a help in terms of how God can work in your life, through your life, in your marriage and to enter in deeply into some of the steps whatever those steps are to to move in
0: good and holy directions so a second area that the bible does talk about the one that might be more familiar to most people and that's the area of adultery the bible has some very direct, direct teaching uh, on this issue for example in matthew chapter 5 it says, But I say, Jesus talking, but I say that a man who divorces his wife unless she has been unfaithful causes her to commit adultery. And Matthew nineteen, nine, whoever divorces his wife, and then you have this exception clause, except for sexual immorality, and then it continues on from there. So so what we see here in the New Testament from Jesus in other cases, that there is clarity that marital unfaithfulness by one spouse is grounds for divorce. The damage that is caused by marital unfaithfulness is significant. Now, I want to be very clear, though, on this. That even though a person has grounds for divorce, does not mean that divorce is required or even encouraged. Again, that's not that we would run to this, but rather through confession, forgiveness, reconciliation and restoration, there's some steps that can be taken in place of divorce. I'm not saying that's easy. It's going to be a long road. It's going to be a very challenging road. But I have seen I have seen firsthand that God can heal a marriage even when that dynamic comes into play.
1: Yeah, I've seen the same thing, and that's what I encourage as well. Uh, be, before you just jump out quickly, seek God, seek counsel, seek help, seek reconciliation. And yes, it takes two broken hearts to reconcile, but I, I just encourage you do whatever you can to see your marriage continue and grow and heal.
0: So again, two very, very difficult situations that a couple may find themselves in. But even in those moments, there's hope. Mm -hmm. Even in those moments, God can show up. In fact, he shines in -hmm. these types of dark settings of life. Uh, And so even though there may be grounding for separation and divorce, um, God can still do a healing work there. Well, what about this question? Are there grounds for divorce that are outside of what the Bible mentions? And these are, I want to bring up some additional sort of places that couples can find themselves. And they're they're things that are very, very hard, but it happens and is worth taking head on. Like, for example, physical abuse. If you are currently in a relationship where you are being physically abused by your spouse, you need to separate. You need to, you need to implement what what I call, we call a strategic separation. This is not a divorce. A strategic separation is where you separate from your spouse for a season and for a purpose with hopes of reconciliation and healing in order to come back together again. But you need to get, and my encouragement, strong encouragement, is to get to a place of safety. Now, if you have children involved, then you have, in my opinion, at least a moral obligation to protect them and to also get them to a place of, of safety. And when you get to a place of separation and safety, then you can begin to look more objectively at what's going on. And you will find, I think, that, that counseling or other types of intervention that uh, the other may be willing to engage in, and you as well, can be more helpful in those types of situations. Separating from an abuser, it is it is wise to do. And there is nothing in the Bible that forbids a person from doing that.
1: And, again, it is possible that someone who is abusing someone else can come to a point of repentance and reconciliation. But, again, that's a long, hard process. And we need to be wise as serpents, as harmless as doves, and enter in both realms in terms of interacting in relationships.
0: You know, and there's sadly, there's other types of abuse mm-hmm. that need to be talked about as well. It's not just physical. Uh, for example, a, a marriage could go through emotional abuse, uh, verbal abuse, mental abuse, and even spiritual abuse uh, are all examples. And None of these forms um, of abuse are mentioned in the Bible as reasons for divorce. But we need to call out that these are significant. They are damaging situations. They they hurt individuals. They wreck relationship. They impact the family unit. Uh, they, they need to be addressed and dealt with in many ways because they're not sustainable scenarios. And so, again, to... To continue, we keep sort of mentioning the same thing, but but finding that support, uh, finding people in your life if you're going through any of these types of situations that are wise and loving, filled with the Holy Spirit, they'll pray with you. They're for your marriage. They'll they'll um, if they're professionally trained, maybe they can then step into that kind of arena and, and in terms of counseling and help uh, help address these types of very difficult situations. So again, areas that aren't specifically talked about in the Bible, but very, very important. How about this one? One more. And the issue of pornography. Pornography is another area where it is incredibly damaging to a marriage relationship. In fact, some uh, consider a spouse's use of, of porn as equivalent to adultery. And so the idea is that as, as they're participating in pornography, that that is equivalent to adultery. And so divorce is allowable. And again, it, it sort of is a person seeking justification to do that. And this, this is often based on Matthew 5, verse 28. We're still back to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking. And he says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so Jesus here, he is talking about what does it look like and mean to live as a follower of Jesus. And he's, he's not nullifying the Old Testament, but he's saying, look, you, you Jewish uh, men and women, you've heard it said. And he'll refer to an Old Testament passage. And he says, but I tell you. And what he's doing is he's raising the moral bar for those who follow Christ. He's saying that if, if you follow after me, if you are a follower of me, then then let's raise the bar even higher. And there's lots of different examples in the Sermon on the Mount like that. This one, of course, zeroes in on this issue connected to adultery. So you have this, this dynamic here where pornography is destructive to a marriage. And once again, requires a great deal of repair work in the reconciliation process.
1: Yeah, and I would say that Jesus' intention was not to give in out. There's lots of other things going on here in the context. For example, the very next verse says, If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. And we're not doing that. The, the point that Jesus is making in this passage throughout it is take these things very seriously and address them and so that's really the point of pornography and the husband-wife interaction is work it out deal
0: with it resolve it if you are listening to this podcast and you are in the Dallas County Iowa area or you're connected with New Hope Church we have a ministry called Recovering Grace that Mm -hmm. exists uh, for men for this topic specifically and Mm -hmm. Uh, in an anonymous way, we can uh, get you connected with with the person that can help you with that. And so um, just contact the church office, and, uh, and then we will make sure to give you the information that you need uh, to get involved with that kind of ministry.
1: Yeah, and really, as we've been saying, we know all these issues are complicated issues, and we want to be a help. And if we can help you... Personally, we will. If we can help you find someone that can help you,
0: we'll do that as well. If you are struggling in your marriage, if you are listening to this and even considering divorce, allow us to offer you some some practical advice as we close. The first is that your your heart is in the wrong place if you are actively seeking to meet some criteria to justify a divorce you already want. In other words, if you're trying to figure out the grounds for divorce so that you can get your relationships to qualify, then I think you have a heart problem. In other words, we should always long for and seek healing and reconciliation and the healthiest marriage relationship possible. Mm -hmm. And I say that very carefully because I also know that sometimes you go long enough in a difficult marriage situation and you begin to lose heart and lose hope. You begin to, to to really embrace the idea that it's never going to get better, and there's no way out. Uh, that's a very hopeless situation to be in. And so, it, holding on to that idea with great compassion, I just want to we just want to call out that we don't want to use the Bible as a tool to get what we want. And, and if you're already sort of looking for that way out and then to go to the Bible to have it justify what you already want, I would encourage you not to use it in that way. That's not its intent. God's heart is for your marriage and God is faithful to your marriage. And so he wants to see you and your spouse work out whatever you're going to going through that is. Next, never make a decision to divorce in haste. Um you know as well as I do that in moments of anger or hurt, we can make short-term decisions or we can say things. That later when we have a level or head or calmer, we're just in a calmer place, we realize, why did we say that? That was very hurtful. That was very uh, destructive. And in fact, I would encourage couples to never use the word divorce. In fact, to just to commit on the front end wherever you're at in terms of how many years you've been married, but to say that we we will never threaten with that word. We will never utter that word. We'll never even consider that word. That word's off limits. It's not even an option in our vocabulary. Um, And then finally, I just, even if you have grounds to get a divorce, and this has already been echoed throughout this podcast, even if you have grounds to get a divorce, you don't have to get a divorce. It isn't that you have to take that step. Again, couples can, and they do forgive one another. And they, they have and do work through a process of healing with a pastor or a counselor. And some of them make it through from awful times to wonderful times. There, there, there is hope. There's always hope because there's always a good God who's always on his throne. He is sovereign. He is good. He can work in the hearts of people, including your spouse. Situations that feel hopeless don't have to stay there. And so if you're, again, in a struggling marriage, it, the question is not, are we at the end? The question really should be, who can we invite in? Who can we invite in to give us the support and the help that we need? And and as you think about this, it's not like, well, I'll call my girlfriends who love me and hate my spouse, or I'm going to call my mom or dad, my parents, because they're always on my side, or other, you know, dysfunctional people that I don't mean to be mean and saying dysfunctional, but people that that may not have your marriage as the best interest at heart, but rather just supporting you or taking your side or, or saying the words that you maybe it's nice to hear. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not that are we at the end? Who can we invite in and inviting people into your life that you trust, that you know, love you, that they love the Lord? And they can help you process through difficult decisions and difficult situations that you might be facing. So,
1: Ryan, um, let's say I'm a person dealing with some of these things. And I said, but I don't know any
0: people like that. Who, who am I supposed to call? Yeah. Well, that's where, that's where a healthy local church is, uh, is a great benefit. A community of people that um you can love and they can love you that you can pray for and they can pray for you that you can serve and they'll serve you and and uh have have godly men and women in the church that can come alongside you and help you uh if you're listening to this podcast and and to tom's question you'd say i'm glad he asked that because that's me that um whether or not we can become your church family, it would be wonderful if we could. But even if not, we can also point you in some resources such as counseling services mm-hmm. that can that can help you as well. There's always somebody.
1: Yeah, there really is. I think we uh, get tricked into feeling like I'm all alone or like I said, I, we, I don't know anybody. I don't know how to do that. And just taking that first step. Can really be important because there are resources, there are people that are compassionate and will come alongside the spiritual community. Living in transparent spiritual community is a really important part as well.
0: Absolutely. So I think at the end of this all, I think what we really want to encourage if you're in a place of struggle is that you would embrace this idea that you may not need a new spouse but rather a new marriage with the same spouse. And, and to embrace that is really a game a game changer. Mm-hmm. That's really to 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 understand that it isn't just the person, but with the same person, we can have a fresh start. And boy, do overs and second chances, that's what the gospel's all about. Mm-hmm. And that's what we can gift to one another.
1: Yeah. And I think also, as we're concluding this podcast, it's really important if you've gone through a divorce, if you've experienced the pain of divorce, it's important to recognize that we come in compassion and we're not coming and saying, oh, this is the worst sin in the world. And this is just, you're beyond help. No, That's not the point. We're where we're at. And we all come with issues in our lives and wherever we're at, we say, okay, what now, Lord? What's next?
0: And I love that, it, including that it's leaning into the Lord and not walking away. It's, it's in places where, yeah, we could look back and, and we see hurt and we've mm-hmm. gone through these difficult experiences. And maybe we even have regrets. But we allow that to to draw us closer to him and not repel us from Mm -hmm. him. Because remember, this is for all of us, divorced or not, we need to always remember who the Lord is, and he's gracious. He is quick to forgive. Mm -hmm. His love is everlasting. Um, He wants relationship with us. He is in pursuit of us. He longs for our heart. It's it's us. We're the ones that will... For any number of reasons, turn our back.
1: Yeah, we want to hold up a high standard and a high calling because this is what the Lord does. But we also want to be compassionate wherever you're at. And so balancing those two things, that's a hard balance. But we just don't want you to walk away if you've gone through a divorce saying, oh, man, all they did is rail against divorce. That's not what we're trying to do. And we, we do come with compassion, with offering helping hands and pointing you to the Lord
0: wherever you're at. And maybe a last word here on this. If you are a person listening and you're traveling through life with a big weight on your shoulder because mm-hmm. of past regrets. Mm-hmm. And again, this could be on on a divorce situation, but it could be about anything. Right. That's an exhausting way to live. And maybe if you've never done so before, it's time to come before the Lord and to lay it all at the foot of the cross. Mm-hmm. First John 1 verse 9 says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Do, do you notice there? There's no condition. It, it just simply says, if you come and you confess, he'll He'll forgive. He longs to forgive. That's what Jesus uh, came for in terms of the cross. That's that's demonstrates his faithfulness and his justice. He is quick to forgive us our sins and cleanse us mm-hmm. from all unrighteousness. Again, if there's anything you need to ask God for forgiveness for, I just even encourage you just now, the podcast is going to wrap up here in just a moment, but, but to not jump to the next thing, but take a moment. And come with a sincere heart and just talk to God about this. Lay all those moments, lay all those hurts, lay all those circumstances, lay the the weights, the regrets, the shame at his feet. Ask him for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. He wants to meet you with grace, no matter what you've done, right in that place. And the truth is, those are the moments that Jesus becomes the most real. Because we come to him as we need to come to him. And we all have to come to him. And that is broken, needy Mm -hmm. sinners in need of grace. That is the heart of the gospel. Amen. And that is the reason Jesus came. We love you. Thank you for listening. Uh, And as always, if you have further questions, you want to dialogue more, or uh, if we can help you with further resources, Uh, You can also go to the church website, newhopeadel.org. There's lots of resources for you there as well in our recovery ministries. And um, we just want to be a support to you. So thank you again. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. God bless.